This is tape number three of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of his third message is Being Built in Faith. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in Romans, chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. And it reads as follows. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Being Built in Faith, message number three from the series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. Almighty God, it is wholly appropriate that on this weekend when we remember the price of our freedom and the cost and the sacrifice of the lives who paid it, that we would also contemplate the longer lasting question, and that is how we use that freedom. Father, challenge us this morning with lives that will not have used that freedom in vain, not have trivialized the time, not have wasted the opportunity to use that freedom for the deepest and most profound things of life. We are grateful that we are citizens of this country. We ask you to bring us to a greater citizenship of the city that never fades, of the country to which we are heading. Help us to consider the deep and everlasting truths and thereby use our freedom in the most worthy manner possible. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. And I will ask you to consider with me a dynamic that I believe God uses. And it is a dynamic that remains the same both for initial evangelization and for growing in maturity. It is the dynamic of verbalizing, vocalizing the things of God. Starting with verse 13. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, let me interrupt several places here as I, as I read this. Let me submit to you that that's not only true for initial salvation, that is true for ongoing salvation. Not only salvation, therefore, from the eternal hell fire, but also salvation from the situations of hell and separation here on earth while we live as Christians. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it addresses 
uh, kind of a, a polemical, a, a, a series of questions that would help us think through logically exactly how this happens. He considers those who are in need, and then he says this, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's, that's the central text upon which I'll, I'll preach this morning. How shall they hear without a preacher? Who is that preacher? You is that preacher. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? We'll be doing that this morning. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Consider why you don't say what you should say many times. Because you are afraid not all will heed what you say. Let me again encourage you. Success is not your business. Faithfulness is your business. Truth is your business. And then this last verse. So faith comes by hearing. We're we're talking in this series about how to build faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, in this in this particular verse, that the, the the Greek used for word uh, is rhema, is not logos. Now, there's not a lot of difference. You can't really uh, build a huge case out of this. But if there were a difference between those two, the rhema would be more of a in, a in a vein of personal utterances or, or the word with your name on it. It's not just the general reason that has formed the universe. It, it, it's very personal. So let me just with this last verse suggest to you that one of the interpretations could be that as the preacher says the things of God, God comes alongside the preacher and says his own things. To the one who hears. And therefore, the voice of the preacher is not determinative. But through the faithfulness of the preacher, God speaks. The words do not have to be exact for God to say what is effective. That takes some pressure off, doesn't it? Let me, this morning, address two questions to you. First of all, how ready are you to hear the truth? Even though, in many cases, the truth is uncomfortable. The truth is not surface. The truth will not let you go. Even though, in many cases, the truth is not pleasant. You know, we live in kind of a pleasant society, in kind of a pleasant time. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that I do not appreciate good humor, as you know I do. I employ it often. But I think humor is even more effective if you are not addicted to pleasantness. I think humor is, makes its point better if you don't have to always use humor, if it is contrasted with some of the more difficult and most so, more sober things of life. That's what I want to call, call us all to today. 
First of all, I want to to go back to this verse and, and just make sure you understand that God has chosen to use preachers. That just as in Jesus Christ, God didn't send a memo, He sent a man. He didn't send a paragraph, He sent a person. I get frustrated sometimes in my teaching of practical theology at the place where I teach because I'm just not sure that practical theology can all be caught up and and all be taught in a classroom. Yes, there are some good works that people can read and there are some concepts that people can remember, but I really believe that Jesus' method of practical theology was the best of all. When he just walked along and as they went through life together, the disciples heard Jesus speak the things of God, saw him act through the things of God, and they could ask him questions, and he heard what they had said, and he could comment on what they had said in the ministry. That, therefore, the, the truth is more than conceptual. It is personal. It is relational. The truth is not a concept. It's a person. And many times God uses people to bring that person of Jesus Christ to us. And so therefore, I want you to know that God, having all the freedom to arrange the world however he wanted to, chose to use you to help people understand what was in the world and what he had written in the word. The case of the Ethiopian eunuch in the 8th chapter of Acts is not unique. When Philip came down and there was the, the eunuch reading out of Isaiah, and Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And the question, Acts 8.31, of the eunuch was, how can I unless someone guides me? Let me ask you, how do you think that people who are around you can understand the world as God has made them unless you verbally guide them, help them? They can't. We all need that personal guidance. How are they to hear without a preacher? And who will preach to them if you don't? Who has God put near them? Who has God given them to see their lives, if not you? Now, let me, first of all, apply it to us. How willing are you to listen to the Word of God, whether it be pleasant or not? How willing are you to talk about the deep things of life, whether they be pleasant or not? Let me ask you this. Can you remember people in your life that loved you enough to tell you the truth when you needed to hear it? Are you grateful for them? Are their feet blessed to you? Now let me ask you the follow-up question. Were you grateful for them then? Was it a good thing for you to listen to then? Were you glad that they were saying it then? In most cases, the answers are different. In most cases, it was not pleasant to hear then. But most of you understand that God used people, whether or not they were deep Christians. Now, you know God being sovereign can use non-Christians as well as he can Christians. That's in the biblical record. You don't have to be a believer to be used of God. So therefore, wipe out in your mind the excuse, well, I'm not a theologian, so I have no authority. God uses whoever he chooses to use. 
And so God has used people in your life to say some very unpleasant things to you and say them in words maybe different than the ones who were talking to you used. Let me give you an example. The most influential man in my life was my grandfather, Pop. I absolutely uh, uh, loved this man. I will insist when I have grandchildren that they call me Pop. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to be a, a dad real good because I didn't have a dad growing up, but I, but I know how to do this grandfather deal. I know, how to, I know how to do it. I had a good model. I can remember one time bringing home a report card when I was in grade school and showing, showing it to Pop. Now, it was less uh, than uh, average grades. They were, they were less than average, but, uh, but I was a very well-adjusted child. I had... I had adjusted to inferior grades very well. <laughs> that was fine with me. Handed it to Pop, you know. Pop looked at it and said, uh, Joey, this will never do. This will just never do. You're, you're, you're too sharp for this. And I said, Pop, what's the deal? You know, I, I'm not flunking. I get through school, coast on through, everything be great, you know. No big deal. He looked at me and said, Joey, it is a big deal. I said, Why? He said, because people won't follow a dummy. Now, I'm not exactly sure that he was 100% accurate in his appraisal. <laughs> the longer I live, the more I'd like to talk with him some more about that summation. But let me tell you what I heard when he said that. I didn't hear what he said. This is what I heard. This was the rhema that came alongside his words and landed in my heart. What I heard that day from God was this. You will be a leader someday. And because you will be a leader someday, you must study because your followers will deserve more than a dummy. And therefore, to be a good leader, you must study. That's what I heard. That's not what Pop said. That's not what Pop said. But the voice of God came alongside Pop at that moment. And I can remember, I can remember the scene. I can remember where I was standing. I can remember what he had on. You know? And I can remember God at that time telling me I'd be a leader someday. Use the voice of God. Because the voice of Pop used his own voice. You know? Because Pop just, just confronted me. Now again, how many of you are willing to listen to someone tell you you need to clean up your act because of the potential you have, even though it's unpleasant? What is your first reaction to that? My first reaction is always to run or to make a joke. You know, I love to make a joke out of it. But chances are God has put people in your life who won't be put off by that. Chances are God has put somebody in your life that continues to cling to the truth no matter what your reaction. Some of you say to me periodically, you know what, I'd like just to be a little fly on the wall of your house sometime just to see how you guys live. Now, let me tell you what it's like to live in our household. We absolutely have a ball together. We laugh together daily, often Half of our family is clowns, and the other love to, uh, uh, to enjoy uh, humor. But would it surprise you to hear 
that our house is not only full of laughter, it is also full of conflict. Would that surprise you to hear that? Do you know why? Because we tell the truth to one another. And when you tell the truth to one another, there's going to be unpleasantness. And there's going to be resistance. And there's going to be turning around and stomping off and walking away. I happen to have a wife who will tell me the truth continually. This is the end of side one of this cassette. At this point, please turn over for side two. Whether or not, I want to hear it. She does that to everybody in that family. We've got four strong-willed people in that family. Four very strong men. Stronger than she is, but she's more tenacious than we are. I mean, she will grab onto something and a whole... I mean, last service, she was in last service and... And I, and, I, and I likened her to a Rottweiler, and she didn't like that very well. I, I, asked her, I asked her afterwards, I said, is that okay? She said, a Rottweiler was a killer dog. I said, well, okay, I'll find some. So let's, let's say Lassie, you know, dragging you out of quicksand. Whatever, you know, I don't But But, you know, I just go, there's enough of this, there's enough. No, no, I didn't, wait a minute, we haven't settled this yet. You know, we gotta, we got to put a tag on this thing, we got to settle it. So what are we going to do, you know? It is awful. It is wonderful. And I am so grateful afterwards. Hardly ever grateful during. You know? How many people had, as part of the way God brought them to himself, somebody who just made you matter and hops? I remember going, when I was in high school, my later years, going to a Bible study. And I can't remember even who conducted I didn't know the people conducting it. I think they were with Campus Crusade. I, I'm not sure. I just, for some reason, have attached that to them. But, but my girlfriend took me to this Bible study. Now, when I was little, I had had thoughts of the ministry. I don't know how many of you have had thoughts of the ministry. But, I, you know, I had a, I had a crazy aunt. I, I told you about her last weekend, or weekend before, whenever I preached last time. Uh, aunt Frances. She's a charismatic Catholic. Just nuts lady. Just, I love her like crazy. And she would just say stuff off the wall. And one time when I was little, she picked me up and she said, Joey, I want you to think about being a minister. Do you ever think about being a minister? I said, uh, what? She said, a minister. She said, I like your voice. She said, I think God could use your voice. Put me down and walked off. You know? <laughs> most, most aunts come in and pinch your cheek and say, boy, you're growing up. And, you know, well, they never said that to me, but, you know, the normal kids. <laughs> You know, normal kids. All right, you know, got blue eyes, good. Got freckles, I like that. You know, you know, just normal stuff. You know, here's this charismatic Catholic coming up and talking weird stuff to me. Well, I never thought. I just put it away. See, so by the time I get to this Bible study, I, I thought I was a Christian. I'd gone to, I was going to a mainline church, and and uh, so, 
So here I'm going to this Bible study, and, and they're, you know, reading, you know, going through the Bible. And after a few weeks, the leaders came to me, and they said, uh, we got a question to ask you. I said, okay. They said, uh, are you saved? And, and I said, well, you know, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with that language. I said, uh, you know, these people that can just pick out the day and the time, and, you know, you know so I said, I've always believed in God. And they, they, they didn't go away. They said, that's not what we ask you. And we didn't ask you that. We said, are you saved? I said, well, what do you mean saved? Define saved. He said, do you have a personal relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Have you, do you have that personally in your life? And so, so you start backpedaling and look for the nearest door, you know, because you're obviously religious fanatics here. And I, and I, and I, and I said, uh, well, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm, I've, I've gone to church all my life. They said, we didn't ask you that. They said, they said, are you saved? Do you know if you died right now that you'd go to heaven 100% sure because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Do you know that? Well, I, I think I know it. That's not what we ask you. Do you know? Do, do you know? I said, look, I, I, I pulled out the big guns. I, I thought, look, you know, I've even had thoughts about going into ministry. That's what people always say. Hey, my uncle was a minister, you know. They said, I got ministers way back, you know. Like, that's a credit. So anyhow, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. It used to be. But, but I said, well, I've even had thoughts of ministry. They looked at me just dead in the eye and said, that's not what we ask you. Do you have God in control of your life? Have you been saved? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior with your mouth, given your life to His hand? I said, well, I think so. I'm, I'm sweating by this time, just looking for... And they, and they looked at me and they said this, we do not see any evidence of that in your life. I was furious. I stomped out of there, left my girlfriend, got in my car, and drove home. I went in my house, in my bedroom, slammed the door, fuming, sat down on the edge of my bed and thought to myself, the nerve of those people. They don't even know me. The nerve of those people to say I don't have any evidence of God in my life. Then God came in and sat down beside me. And said in here, you know, Joey, I really haven't seen any evidence of it either. It took me two years to kneel down. I never went back there. Never talked to them again. I don't even remember their names. And if they remember me at all, it would be in the category of one of the failures of their ministry. took me two years to kneel down and give my life to Christ. But I will never forget the anger and frustration that God used through those people to bring me to himself. Because they wouldn't back down. They'd ask me the tough questions. Are you ready to hear things that are difficult to hear? Because God has them for you and is speaking them to you through some people that you would classify as obnoxious, but yet they're saying exactly what you need to hear.
some of you, from time to time, are very dissatisfied with your lives because you think that they don't mean very much. Because many of our lives are caught up in all of the details of life. The important details, you know, how to get Susie from A to B, you know, how to run the shuttle, how to cook the meals, how to do the work, all that kind of stuff. That's important. I don't want to at all put that down. But let me say this to you. If when you have accomplished all of that, at the end of every day, you're saying to yourself, God, what does all this mean? I want to tell you, you have been participating in a junk food life. Because God made you for the deep things. God made you to consider the important, true, everlasting truths of life. And you won't be satisfied until you go that deep. Most of us skate over the surface so that we can get done what we need to get done. I read a book this week, uh, The Loss of Common Sense, or The Death of Common Sense, uh, by Philip Howard. He talks about the legal uh, system in this country. And And he says, the system... The legal system in this country has literally choked out the ability to resolve a conflict together by common sense, by human judgment. I mean, we, we, have, we have made such precise rules and, 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 and come out with so many laws and, and, and so many government uh, 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 agencies with so many regulations trying to nail down the truth so that, so that we won't have to decide anything. So that we won't have to think. And the system has choked out the challenge to think. Let me ask you if the system of your life has done the same thing. Has it choked out? Have you got your life down to a routine and yet you are frustrated? Is it working but yet you don't think it is very significant? You know why? Because God has called you to the deeper things. He's called you to listen to the deeper things. Remember, if you're married, remember when you first got married, how you dreamed? You know? Yeah, there's this, there was this sense of destiny. Do you remember that at any time in your life? There's this sense of destiny. You know? Oh, God, you're going to use me. I know you are. You're going to use us as a couple. You're, we're going to be a great addition to the world. We're going to raise kids that are great additions. We're going to do this. We're going to change people. We're going to help people. You used to dream. So all of the junk that you had to go through, all of the daily routine you had to go through was for that purpose. And it meant something. It was okay that you had to go through it because you were, you were on, your road, on the road to something big. Let me ask you, when's the last time you dreamed together? You dreamed to change the world. You dreamed to be used of God. When's the last time? Whereas now all you have the routine. When's the last time you listened to something tough for your betterment? Or is now all you have the platitudes? Becky's a science teacher. Every year, uh, when, when it comes time for the science fair, uh, she'll see a kid do the same experiment. They'll get two like animals, you know, mice or, or uh, guinea pigs or whatever, and feed one of them junk food and the other one um, um, health food, you know, fruits and vegetables and all that kind of stuff. In a matter of weeks, you know, the one... <laughs> The one that's eating junk food is put on the poundage, you know. The, the fur's all ruffled, you know. They don't want to go through the maze, you know. They're just kind of looking around. We don't, 
We don't care, you know. And boy, the one that has the health food's all ready to go. You know, if you feel like you're kind of there in your life, well, I'm just tired, I'm just shot. It's because you're living on the junk food of society. You're not examining the important things of society. Let me, let me ask you the second question. Are you willing? Are you willing to be one of those who will speak the truth? Who will speak the important things of life? I mean, not all the time. I think there's nothing sillier than somebody who goes around trying to be profound all the time. You know, nobody's that smart. But every once in a while, when you have the opportunity to ask an uncomfortable question or something, say something that you think is, is, is fairly relevant, relevant, even though it may make somebody uncomfortable, will you do that? How are they to hear without a preacher? How are those around you to, 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 to be helped without you saying something to them, even though they may not like you for it at the time? It's very important. You realize that we are in this society in which people are dying all around you. All around you. I mean literally, but also spiritually. You realize that, that we live in a society that absolutely ignores or feels totally helpless to answer all of the problems that we have. And so we, we talk about inane things. You know? We live in a society where 13-year-olds are getting pregnant and 15-year-olds are shooting one another to death and 17-year-olds are contracting AIDS and 18-year-olds are getting diplomas they can't even read. We live in a society that spends 10 times as much every year on the legal expenses of getting divorced as all of the money spent in world missions altogether. 10 times as much just getting divorced from one another. And what's our main topic of conversation in this society? How many fat grams have you eaten today? What's missing in this picture? It's not that it's not okay to consider fat grams, but that obviously is not the point of your existence. Do you know, if we would consider how badly people need to hear the truth, if we would consider the damage that is being done just around us, we would not be able to lie. One of the great intellectuals of, of, of military history is, is, is General S.L.A. Marshall. And he did a study one time on, uh, on uh, uh, people who had just gotten back from battle. And one of the things he noticed about these soldiers was that they couldn't tell a lie. They, they just couldn't tell a lie. Even though they were in a room all alone, they couldn't tell a lie. Now, he could certainly understand that if it were what he called the group effect. The group effect is that, is that you, you sit in a group of, of uh, people that you've gone through a battle with and, and you ask everybody to tell what happened and they'll tell the exact same truth because your, your comrades are there that can correct you if you tell a lie. And they will. They'll, t they'll correct you. But why in the world would someone not be able to lie if they were all alone. And this is what he discovered, because these people had just been out into battle with their comrades, and he had watched, they had watched their comrades being killed. And the image of those deaths of their friends were still with, was still with them so strong that it was the same dynamic of being in a group. They felt if they lied, the spirits of those men 
would condemn them and, and confront them. Do you know that not only are we surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those saints that have gone before us, that, that, that correct what we have said, but we are surrounded by people who are dying every day. Their lives are falling apart. And we're talking about fat grams. Well, our favorite thing to do is, is to watch stupid stuff on TV. Now, again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Uh, you know, if you want just to periodically turn into... Ricky Lake to figure out how dumb the world is. It's okay. You know? People do I mean they turn in today. You know, mothers who sleep with their sons' girlfriends, whatever. I mean it's just today. Uh, bikers who worship the goddess Petunia. You know, it's just it's 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 an analogy of the old uh, carnival sideshows where you'd play a quarter and you'd go in to see the guy with an elevator alligator face or something. You know, it's just it's just a, an odd thing to watch these and talk shows. Are, the, are, the, are all the rage. You know why? Because people love to spread bad news. People love to gawk at bad news. Let me ask you a question. Why don't people love to gawk at good news? Why don't people love to spread good news? Let me just ask you one thing, then I'll quit. If I were to stand up here today, and if I were just to say to you, you know, Folks, I, I've just come to a point in my life where this will be my last sermon. I, I just want to confess to you something. I've been living a lie all these years. For about five years, I have, I've come to the conclusion that this is an illusion. It was just a bad dream. I've been in the ministry 25 years, and, 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 and for 25 years, I've, I've of course, watched pagans ruin their lives, but I've watched Christians ruin their lives, and I've not been able to reconcile that thing. How can people who are in Jesus Christ continue to ruin their lives? And, and I've seen it so much, I've, I'm just giving up. I've come to the conclusion that there is no God. I've come to the conclusion that these stories we cooked up about this man Jesus was just to make ourselves feel good. And so, so I just want to tell you, there is no God. Can you imagine what would happen when everybody left today? I can tell you exactly what would happen. You would be on the phone so fast to the people you knew saying this, you will not believe what I heard Hunter say today. You will not believe this. If you weren't on the phone to the elders saying, get this guy out of here, or if you weren't on the phone to the sentinel say, you guys want a story? You would be on the phone to those people who you're close to saying, I cannot believe what I heard today. Well, I want to tell you this. I've been in the ministry 25 years. And I've watched Christians drift and sin. But I am more convinced than ever that the only solution to the sin in life and the only remedy for the degradation of this society is Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you this question. Who are you going to tell that? What, because, because that's good news you're not going to tell anybody? You're not going to speak that into the life of someone who's going down the tubes? No. It's even more important to speak it. It's even more important to say you know what? You're not going anywhere without Christ. 
It's not going to get better without Christ. You'll never be satisfied without Christ. Blessed are those who bring that good news. You're the preachers. How are they to hear without a preacher? Pray with me. God, help us this morning to not just be grateful for freedom, but to pay the price of freedom. Not political freedom, but freedom in Christ. The Word says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. Set us free to bring the Word of the Lord. Set us free to love people as You have loved us by telling us the truth, whether it felt good or not. Set us free to be true friends. Friends that will speak the things of God. Friends that will love people long term and not be quieted because we wanted a more comfortable situation. But love enough to say what's important to say. Help us be true friends. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
before I read to you the benediction out of the book of Titus, I'd like for the folks who are going to pray for folks to come on over and, and uh, get stationed over here. Let me just invite you, if you've not been here before, we have a prayer team. And, uh, and I know there are many issues that don't get addressed in a, in a, a week's worship service. And, and so if you came in with anything that you really need to pray with somebody about, please avail yourselves of these folks. Let me challenge you, if you do not know about your relationship with Christ, if you're not absolutely sure of it, don't leave here to doubt your salvation. God, doesn't want, God wants you to be confident in your salvation, and there's a way that you can do that. And so come and let them lead you to a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Some of you also have issues of healing or, or reconciliation or whatever that you need to pray with somebody about. Please, you are invited. Now, let me read to you out of the second chapter of Titus, the 14th and 15th verse. The 14th verse talks about the purpose for which Christ came. And the 15th verse lists a therefore, which is a charge for you. Christ Jesus gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. There's a little parenthesis, therefore. It's not in there, but it's in here. Therefore, these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Could I just say just one, just one more word? Don't, please don't buy the lie. The Satan is going to be telling you repeatedly. You don't have the authority to say this to somebody. You, you, you're not all that good a Christian yourself. You don't know the Bible that well. You haven't been theologically trained. Da, 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 da. You know, and Othello, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a character, Cassio, who, who gets drunk one night. He's not a drinker, but he gets drunk one night, and then he regrets it. And the next morning he says, he says this, Oh God, that men would put an enemy in their mouth to steal away their brains. Let me paraphrase that. Oh God, that men would put an enemy in their brains to steal away their mouths. Don't you buy that lie that you haven't got the authority. This says you do. It says, these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Go with that charge. Amen. Amen.